before I just um, share God's word for a few moments, um, does anybody here, has anybody here heard of Wordle? It's kind of this new game that one or two of you might have played. Here, hands up if you've ever played Wordle. Okay. So um, I'm just going to switch to this uh, microphone. And uh, so, um, so here's, who's not played Wordle before? Just, just so we know. Okay. So very simple. Here's the rules. Okay. We're trying to guess a five-letter word that I know and the computer knows. And the way we're going to guess is we're going to guess any other five-letter word, a random word, and the computer will then tell us which of the letters in the word we've used are in the, or also in the word that is in my head and in the computer. And if, if, your letter, if the letters of your word are right, they show up green, if they're in the right place in the, in the word. And if they're the right letters but in the wrong place, they show up as yellow. Okay, you got it? Anybody not understand? Great. So, so... Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm just going to pick on my son, Ben, because he always starts with, uh, with uh, the first word. So, Ben, what, what's the first word we should guess this morning? Go for it. <laughs> Stare. Stare. Okay. How are you spelling that? Uh, S-T-A-R-E. Okay, S-T-A-R-E. So, uh, Jason, please would you type the words S-T-A-R-E into the computer? Uh, R-E, Yeah. Okay, oh, great news. We have an E in the right place. So the green shows that's in the right place. And we also have a T, but it's in the wrong place in the word that I am thinking of. So uh, who wants, just chat to somebody next to you. Just think, what is this word? And then uh, maybe put your hand up if you'd like to guess the next word, okay? Okay, what do we think? Somebody on the balcony, perhaps. Anybody want to make a guess from up here? Anybody? Wow. Anybody? Okay, anybody downstairs? Yes, yeah, yeah, okay. Fraser. Say again. Tire. Sorry, say in the microphone. <laughs> Type. Type. Oh, okay. T Y P E. Oh, that's four. Oh. We could do types with an S on the end. How about that? Types with an S on the end. Oh, D, D on the end. Typed. How about that? Okay, so, okay, we're not, not any further forward, but good, good work, Fraser. Good guess. I like it. Okay, who, who wants to go next? Wow. You didn't think you were going to have to work this hard this morning at church, did you? Okay. Jocelyn, yeah? White. White. W-H-I-T-E. Okay. W-H-I-T-E. What does the computer say? Oh! Wow. Three green letters. Three letters in the right place, but two wrong letters. The, the black are wrong letters. So we're, we're looking for two new letters. Oh, Murray, Murray, what is it? Flight. Flight. F-L-I-T-E. Okay. Happy with that? Great. Let's try that. F-L-I-T-E. Oh, good guess, Murray. Well done. I'm lucky. Okay. Quite. Q-U-I-T-E. Well done, Hannah. Let's see if that comes in. Computer, is that the right answer or not? Whoa. Wow. 
I don't think you're going to guess it, so we'll just stop the game there, shall we? So, uh... <laughs> so unite. Unite. Is it the right answer? Yes. Well done. <laughs> Amazing. Something that the Holy Spirit does is he unites us. And today I want to talk about this word unite. And who can tell me what the word unite means? Anybody? Yeah, uh, Roman, yeah. yeah to, to go together, yeah? So, so yeah, I think that's brilliant. Well done, Roman. So the idea of, of more than one thing coming together as one. So in about a month's time, uh, Ben and Ailey are getting married. Two people are kind of becoming sort of one in the sense of they're going to do their life together from now on. They're, they're uniting. And uh, if you live in uh, this country, you live in the United Kingdom. Or if you're from the States, you come from the United States. Or if you're uh, from the United Arab Emirates, these are all countries that are linked together in some way with others because they're doing it as one. And uh, who can think of another sort of title or name of any organization that has United in it? What's that? United Nations, okay. So that's an organization that represents all these different nations. United Nations, any others? The Union Unite, okay, yeah. Manchester United guy, well done. Do you know why why that's called um, Manchester United? Um, it's, um, it's, It's because apparently... When there was another football club in Manchester that was taken over, um, it, it went bankrupt, and then four people, they came together, and they rescued the club. They paid £500 each for Man United. It's a pretty good deal, isn't it? <laughs> Wish I was one of those guys. But um, uh, Newcastle United was formed when two clubs joined together. So it's two becoming one. It's more than one becoming one together. Now, we live in a world where there's lots of division, there's war, there's pain, there's different people who disagree with each other. But today, we're exploring this idea that God is doing something amazing in the earth today, that he's reversing the trend and he's bringing people together for his purpose. And he does it by the Holy Spirit. So if you've got a Bible, look at Revelation chapter 7. So we started this morning talking about the fact that when Jesus entered Jerusalem, people waved palm branches. There's another scene in the Bible where people wave palm branches, and we're going to read it just now. It says, after this, I looked. And this is a picture of the end of time, okay? And there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. So you've got this crowd of people who have become Christians. In fact, they've paid the price of becoming Christians, many of them. And it's a multitude. No one can count from all these different demographics and nationalities and places and backgrounds. Every nation, tribe, people, and tongue. And they're saying this in a loud voice. But should we say it together? Because we, we want to get with the program in eternity, don't we? This is what we're going to be saying, this kind of thing, in eternity. Let's say it together after three. Salvation belongs to our God. One, two, three. Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And they're united. They're united in this thing. It's all about worshipping Jesus. That's where true unity is found. 
nations, tribes, peoples, and languages, all joined, all for Jesus. And God is doing something ahead of that day today to unite his people together in the earth. I'm actually, every, every Thursday morning, just over the last few years, pastors in Edinburgh have prayed together every Thursday morning. And there's about 40 every, every week. And we just get together and we're getting to know each other better. And we do it for this reason, that we, we, we believe that church is more than one church or our church. We believe that God is doing something in the earth today. And it's a bit like, sometimes when we think of unity, it can be contrived. In fact, sometimes it can be forced. In fact, when you look around the world today, there's aggressors who would try and force unity, Russia, Ukraine, and that's an ugly thing. So we react against that kind of forceful unity, and we say, well, isn't it better just for everybody to be themselves and to do what they want to do? That's the kind of the cult of individualism where, where people say, well, yeah, we're not trying to do anything together. We're just trying to be ourselves, and that's equally ugly. But, you know, what God is doing is he's sounding a new drumbeat. In fact, who's got a boom whacker? Do you want to just do one, two, three, four for me? Just somebody. Go on. And for those who hear the voice of God, they're hearing what God is doing in the earth today, which is he's saying, I'm drawing my people together for purpose. And that drumbeat's getting louder and louder and louder. And it's not the sound of individualism, it's not the sound of force, but it's the sound of the Holy Spirit drawing his people together. Uh, Thanks, guys, we can stop that now. Thank you. (laughs) Um, You know, in cults, people look the same, dress the same, and act the same, but they lose their individuality. In individualistic societies, everyone's free to be themselves, but they care very little about anyone else. But God is growing a church where both unity and diversity are present and not in competition, but help one another. So let's look at some Bible verses to what this, what this united church looks like. So uh, look at Acts chapter 2, verses 17 and 18. And um, the, the words in bold, let's say them out loud together. So in the last days, God says, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. And your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. So I've got five things about this this church that Jesus is building, that he's uniting. Firstly, it's about younger people, sons and daughters. It starts with the sons and daughters. Isn't that amazing? Have you ever tried to apply for a job, anybody, and they say, oh, sorry, experience required. And you say to yourself, well... How do you get the experience if you don't have a job? Anyone ever done that? Well, here's the thing about the church of Jesus. You don't have to be experienced to be, to be somebody who shares and ministers his grace and his love to others. Children and young people and teenagers. Today, I want you to know that you can prophesy. You can hear from God. And actually, if you don't, then this church will be weaker for it. Because God calls the experienced, the inexperienced, into positions of influence. In God's church, there's a deference to those who are young. And secondly, here's the thing. It says the old men will dream dreams. I'm not going to ask a hands up for who's old. Because uh, 
You know, none of us would like to admit the gray hair that we, we now have. But is it, the old men will dream dreams. In God's church, the, the church that he's building, this united church, it's not all about the young people. It's not you're on the shelf when you're past a certain age. It's about people who are rich in years, but also rich in faith and dreaming the dreams of the kingdom of God. And in God's church, they're to be cherished and prized. If you're in a stage of life where you're coming into, where you're coming into those later years or retirement, I want you to know that you have a prime place to dream in the kingdom of God and to be an inspiration to those who are younger in the faith. Here's the third one. It's a church where gender doesn't seem to be the defining thing when it comes to being an equal recipient and minister of the Holy Spirit. It says, even on my servants, both men and women. Sometimes you can look at the other gender and you think, well, they seem to be more into this stuff than me. And in God's economy, he says, no, it's both. It's both. Here's the fourth thing. Backgrounds are not a barrier. Let's look at another verse. 1 Corinthians 1.26. He says, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not, not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not were many of noble birth. Not many. Some were. And in the church that Jesus is building, this united church, it has all kinds of people. People that you wouldn't have grown up with. People that you wouldn't have become friends with. But people that he's called you to do life with. And here's the fifth thing about this United Church. It's a church where life is done in team. There's no flying solo. In fact, even leadership is done in team in the Bible. Look at Acts chapter 13, verse 1. And you read about the, the, the leadership team of a church in Antioch. And just look at the names who are in here, just to make this point of this team that God is drawing together. It says... In the church in Antioch were prophets and teachers, diverse gifts. Barnabas, Simeon, called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. There was Jews and Gentiles. There was Africans. There was people of different status backgrounds who had grown up in very different places, and God brought them together to lead together. It's amazing when Jesus brings his people together. So those are five things. Now, as we talk about those five things, how on earth is any organization like that ever going to work? You know, how can you value the young and the old and both genders and have all sorts of backgrounds in all sorts of roles and where you're constantly doing team and life and decision-making together? And the answer is, well, you can't do it by human strength. You can only do it by the Holy Spirit. And that's why in Ephesians 4, it says there is one body, which is the primary image of, of the church in the Bible. It's like a human body, interlinked. There's one body and there's one spirit. And it's the spirit that makes the body. And the body can only work with the spirit filling it. So how does the spirit unite the church? Three things, and then we're just going to break into groups and we're going to take communion together and we're going to pray for one another. Here's the first way that the Spirit unites us. He unites us by freely giving us generously of all his gifts without condition. He's the Spirit of grace. He chooses to bless those who are undeserving. Do you know 
uh, unarguably, do you know what the worst behaved church in the New Testament was? Any, any guesses? It was the Corinthian church. Do you know which is the church that had most gifts of the Spirit in operation in the New Testament? It was the Corinthian church. You know, Paul, they, they, they just seem to, you think, well, that's strange, isn't it? A church that just seems to have all sorts of problems is also a church that seems totally blessed by God. You think, well, that doesn't make sense unless God just loves to give his spirit generously. It's not based on who we are. Now, if we understand that point, it means this, that we get unified and united because when we see other people's gifts, we don't compare ourselves, but we rejoice with them because it's not about us and it's not about our behavior it's about his grace to us. Here's the second thing the Spirit does. The Spirit blesses. Secondly, the Spirit joins us. 1 Corinthians 12 says, We were all baptized by one Spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one Spirit to drink. The word baptized just means immerse, to plunge into something. And this, he said, Paul says, well, this is how you became one, you, you were all just immersed together in God, in the Holy Spirit, and you were all given the Holy Spirit to drink. And that joins us together. Sometimes I hear this story in Kings. People say, you know, when I first came to Kings, this person used to really annoy me. And then we ended up as best friends. Don't know how that happened. <laughs> Maybe you've had that experience. You see, how does that happen? In normal life, you think, well, I'm not going to hang out with that person because we don't seem to get on. In church life, you find yourself facing that person and you begin to understand them and the Holy Spirit comes on you and you begin to love them as a brother and sister. And if you know what can happen, you can actually just become the best of pals. You know, the Apostle Paul wasn't the most liked in the early church because he'd persecuted many of them. But, and it took them years, but they eventually offered him the right hand of fellowship. And today, God is bringing unity to his church as he pours his spirit upon us. Here's the third thing the spirit does. He fills us. Ephesians 2. It says, in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So this unifies us because we understand it's not about us just individually being filled, but we're creating a temple for God to dwell in. And as we play our part, as we're individual bricks, as we're used by God, so that he creates a temple in which he promises to come and live and to fill us again and again. So um, crazy thing happened the other day, right? Um, I, I did that thing because diesel prices have gone up. I went to the pumps and I, and I, I kind of only put like 10 pounds of fuel in because I thought oh, it's a bit dear, isn't it? So I went fill it up. That made sense, obviously. So then... What happens next day? I, I, I drive some and I run out of fuel. And I said, oh, no. That's because I didn't fill it up with fuel. And so, anyway, I've got, I've got Sam and I've got Evie in the car. And, um, and so we're deciding what to do. We're broken down near Barnton somewhere. And, and uh, Sam declares a state of emergency. And he says, well, I'm off to go and find food. And he Googles the nearest shop and he disappears. Evie felt it was perhaps the right moment to evaluate the situation and how this happened. And what, what could be the learning points for me in the future in terms of <laughs> making sure that the car had enough fuel because this was spoiling her weekend. And um, 
Meanwhile, so we ring Julie, and Julie comes, and she, she brings a can of diesel, which is exactly what we need, right? Until we try and tip it into the thing, and, and the nozzle won't fit. I'm like, and I've spoke to people since, oh, yeah, you need the special adapter thing to get it in. And I was like, well, who, who knew that, right? <laughs> there was a tiny, tiny hole which I was trying to drip feed diesel through into my car to just give it enough to get to the fuel station. I got about like a thimble full through. And it was enough to get me to the petrol station. That was the, the, the and then we filled up properly. But here was the thing. Sometimes in life, we find ourselves thinking, oh, we, we just need a little bit of the Holy Spirit. Just a little bit, just enough to get us to the pumps. But do you know, in Jesus, because of what Jesus has done for us, the fullness of the Spirit is fully available. He gives the Spirit without limit to all of us who ask. So today, as we pray for each other, we can pray that God will come and fill us and give us all we need to be his family together. So we're going to celebrate the unity that the Spirit brings to us. We're going to take bread and wine and gather in groups, and we're going to worship together again. And here's something I'd love us to do. I'd love us to pray in diverse groups as much as we can. So I'd love us in this next couple of moments to just look around the room, upstairs and down, and to find some people we perhaps know a little bit less well. And for parents, obviously you can keep your kids with you, um, but maybe try and invite somebody else into your family group. And then uh, we've got some bread and juice just up at the front, here and, and at the back and at the side here. Is, is one of these gluten-free? Somebody tell me. At, at the back, perhaps, is gluten-free if you're needing gluten-free. And just take some bread and juice and take it back to your group and take it. It's the body of Jesus that is broken for you so that we could be one, one body. And the juice, the wine, represents the fact that we're in a new covenant relationship with God together. So we can drink that together. And then let's pray for one another. Let's lay hands on that God will fill us with his Holy Spirit. Amen.